The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm all alone this week. My co-host Dave is in Los Angeles, rocking out at OzFest meets NotFest. Uh, if you've listened to this show before, you know that every few weeks, my dear co-host Dave, who is a huge metal fan, will find a way to hit up one of these massive metal concerts uh he's a big metallica fan so he can always be seen going off to see metallica so he was in minnesota a few weeks back checking out a metallica show and now he's in los angeles checking out uh, Ozfest meets Notfest, and he just loves checking out these shows and when he goes on one of these metal pilgrimages to rock out and to unleash his inner metal demon i'm all alone so i'm flying solo this week but we got a great show let's get right into it uh, before we get started, just a quick bit of housekeeping. I hope very much that if you like this podcast, if you like the stuff that we do, if you like our music industry discussions, if you like our pop culture discussions, please support us. And there's many ways that you can do that. You can throw us a rating on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Stitcher, where you can find the podcast. If you would be so kind as to throw us a rating, a high one, hopefully, uh, give us a nice review, subscribe to us on those platforms so that the podcast gets right to you and we put it up every Sunday. That would be huge. We would thank you very, very much if you could do that for us. And also, we'd like to hear from you. I uh, hope that you can send us some emails. You can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. What can you email to us? Well, if you have any questions you want us to answer on the show, we very much, my co-host and I, see this as a dialogue. If you're an artist out there that has a question that you want us to answer, something about your music career, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and we'll answer your question right on the show. Maybe we'll even make a segment out of it. If you have a piece of criticism that you want to share with us, again, breakthebusiness at gmail.com, share your criticism. If there's a pop culture thing you want us to talk about or if you want to just comment on something in pop culture and have us discuss that, again, send us an email. There's all kinds of great things you can do with us there. And we do answer back the email, so we hope we hear from you. Follow us on social media, too. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ryan K-A-I-R. I give lots of music industry tips on my Twitter account. I also just talk a lot about goofy stuff. If you want to see pictures of my new puppy, Molly, I'm always posting her on Twitter. That's at Ryan K-A-I-R. You can also follow my co-host, Dave. He's at MetalDave85. Well, right now, he's at Los Angeles, but uh, geographically. But on cyberspace and in Twitter, he's at MetalDave85. If you like metal talk, if you like pop culture stuff, uh, he's a good follow. He's very, very funny. He's definitely the funnier of the two of us on the podcast, which is going to become painfully obvious after listening to this episode. But I'm going to try to keep the funny going, so give me a chance. You can also like us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash break the business. We post all a bunch of stuff on the Facebook platform. Let's keep the conversation going. And probably the best way to promote this show, and we hope that you do this for us, is to tell a friend. If there's somebody out there that likes pop culture, maybe an artist out there looking to move their music career forward, check us out, uh, and, or rather encourage them to check us out, uh, we're the Break the Business Podcast. And so please tell a friend. This week's guest coming up in the next segment, I love this dude, you're going to love this guy, Michael Brandvold. 
He is a marketing and digital strategy expert. He's worked with so many great bands like Kiss and Motley Crue. He helps them with their VIP ticketing programs. We're going to talk a little bit more about what he's going to do for you in the next segment when he comes in for the interview. Before that, uh, just a couple more things here. Next week's guest, you're going to like this one as well. Please stick around for next week's episode. Rory Kelly. She is delightful. One of my bestest, bestest friends out in the music world. Musician. Great musician. Also the executive director of the organization Go Girls. This is an organization that provides opportunities for women in the music industry. She writes a lot about the challenges that women face in the music business. Uh, really powerful stuff. A lot of stuff that particularly people of the male gender don't know, you know about what women go through when trying to pursue their creative passion. It's something that up until recently, I was woefully ignorant about until I started talking to people like Rory Kelly, who clued me in as to what you know how difficult it is for women in the music business. And she's going to talk about that next week. So uh, stick around for that. Uh, as I said before, I do have a new puppy named Oliver. I'll give you a quick update on her because people keep asking me about this puppy. She is adorable. When I, it, it, it's a perpetually frustrating thing for me that when I post an article or I post something about the music business or moving your careers forward, I get like one or two likes on Twitter, one or two likes on Facebook. But I post a cute picture of Molly and my Twitter goes nuts. You all love this dog. And as well you should because she is adorable and she is the best. And one day she will grow up into a beautiful, amazing golden retriever. However, before that day, right now she is a pain in the ass puppy. And this is something that I didn't know about puppies is, and I know you're going to make fun of me for not, oh, how could you not know this? But puppies are a lot of work. <laughs> this is really hard to take care of this puppy. She is crazy. She's, she runs around. She's chewing up everything, everything except for the chew toys that we get for her. Uh, we buy her chew toys and she could not be less interested in those. But my iPhone cables, our carpets, our, our walls, our couches, she'll eat that stuff up all day. But not the chew toys. She you know, doesn't care about the chew toys. And, you know, she, we're trying our best to discipline her. And, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, she's getting better and better each week. But she's still a crazy puppy. And I know she's going to be a great dog one day. We just have to keep working hard at training her. But in the meantime, oh, my goodness. she's And she keeps us up at night because she's barking. And uh, this we, we have another dog that uh, we're babysitting. My parents' dog, Oliver, a seven or eight-year-old Cocker Spaniel. And Molly is tormenting Oliver, just driving her crazy, like biting on her ears, always annoying the crap out of her. And so we did this a couple episodes and we're doing it again. Oliver is actually sleeping in the studio here now. I let Oliver in the studio and Molly is outside because I don't want Molly teasing Oliver. And we don't know what to do because, you know, Oliver just, Oliver doesn't like other dogs and she particularly does not want to hang out with a little two month old puppy. And so we're just, we're trying to keep them away from each other. And I'm hoping that Molly gets better. I hope that Molly becomes a sweeter dog. And if you, by the way, anybody listening out there, if you are a dog owner and you have any tips on how we can just make Molly a better puppy, uh, please uh, let us know. Break the business at gmail.com. Uh, my wife and I could use all the help we can get in raising Molly, the break the business dog. Uh, more news. So I'm excited for this. Uh, starting next week, I, as a big announcement, you ready? You ready? Here we go. 
Oh, I just realized you can hear Ma, uh, Oliver, the dog that's sleeping in the studio, the older dog. I can hear her panting in the background. She's in the studio and she's panting. But anyway, a uh, big piece of news right here. Uh, starting next week, I am going to be making an audiobook version of Break the Business. Oh, thank you, studio audience. Yeah, we're making the audiobook for Break the Business. I'm going to record it. And so, because I know a lot of artists have told me they want to know what's in the book, you know, they want to learn the insights, but they're just not big readers. They prefer to have, you know, they like podcasts, they like listening to stuff. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make the audiobook version so you can listen to this book while you're on the train or whatever. And I've been kicking around the idea of doing a book on tape for a while, but I was really looking for the right opportunity, the right way to do it. And my first inclination with this audiobook that I'm super excited to put out was I was just going to record it myself here in the studio. But I really wanted it to be something professional. I didn't want just some little cheapy audiobook. I wanted something that was uh, worthy of you, the listener. And so I decided to do this right. I reached out to a, a fellow music engineer that I know who has a studio. I've, I've got studio time with him. We're going to record this right in a real studio with real equipment, and we're going to create something that's awesome and I can't wait to have it done and to share it with you and to make it available. And so it'll be another piece of break the business content. And another thing that I was considering with the audiobook is for those of you who have read the book already and are like, okay, well, I mean, I've already read the book, so why would I get the audiobook? I want to add some bonus content. We're going to add some, you know, some extra content to the book, some extra chapters, some extra information uh, to sort of update a little bit. And so that way, even if you've read the book already, there's still something for you to gain by checking out this audiobook. And so that's going to be coming up. I'll keep giving updates on the audiobook each week as we're moving the ball forward with that. And that's going to be great. I've always wanted to make an audiobook. And so this is going to be cool. All right. Um, oh, gosh. You know, this isn't music related, but I wanted to bring it up because it's just completely thrown me for a loop. I woke up this morning. This is Sunday morning. Uh, here on the 25th is when we're recording this. And I woke up this morning to find out that Jose Fernandez, the Miami sports pitching phenom, uh, died. He was uh, the Marlins ace. He was the top starting pitcher on the Marlins. He was incredible. He was phenomenal. And he had died what appears to be last night in a boating accident. Uh, they don't have a lot of the details yet. But it was him and two other guys, and and they're no longer with us. And people in Miami are crushed. Uh, we do this podcast here in Miami. Um, so Dave and I, we're Marlins fans. We, we go to games. And the Marlins play about 15 or 20 minutes from this studio. And, you know, this is, this is tough for us. And for those of you who are not clued in on how the Marlins are locally, I should give you some context here. The Marlins are not immensely popular here in Miami. And, you know, the Marlins have won two world championships, but I would say there are many people who are not happy with the Marlins lately. Uh, a lot of this stems from the fact that the Marlins tend to underperform year in, year out. They tend to not spend money on good players, and that really frustrates the fans that they, you know, they put out a pretty subpar product year in and year out. They tend to trade players very quickly, so we don't have a lot of players that we uh, can kind of build loyalty around. One of the things they tell you as a Marlins fan is don't buy a jersey with the name on the back because it's only a matter of time before they trade that player once he gets good 
uh, for you know some minor league prospects that are cheaper. And Marlins fans are particularly upset with the franchise lately because a few years ago they had built a stadium with public money because the you know because they threatened to move the team. You know they were talking about moving the team to San Antonio or to Las Vegas or something like that because oh we need a new stadium or we have to move and the taxpayers paid for a new ballpark and the idea was what what sort of the arrangement was is that if the taxpayers got a new stadium for the Marlins the team would in turn invest in some top talent they would actually spend money for the first time in years to get some good players down here and so that's what happened the taxpayers bought them a beautiful fancy new retractable roof stadium and then the Marlins in t- in kind got a bunch of top free agents Jose Reyes John Buck Heath Bell uh, Mark Burley a lot of a lot of top flight uh, free agents and then about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the season the Marlins sold all those players they traded them all away uh, it was a complete bait and switch uh, Marlins fans were pissed uh, and the team has never really fully recovered since then you know, people are still upset with the Marlins. There are some people who have said that they'll never attend a Marlins game again, even if the team gets good. And the team was pretty good this year, but they're just never going to do it. And, you know, they hate the owner. They want the owner to sell the team. And and I say all this because in many ways, the lone bright spot for the Marlins, the one thing that even the most anti-Marlins Miamian will love about the Marlins was Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez was, you know, he's a Cuban defector. And so obviously the Cuban community down here felt a very strong kinship with him. He was a phenomenal pitcher from the beginning, won the National League Rookie of the Year when he first got here, uh, had an ERA, I think, in like 2.1 that first year. I mean, blazing fastball, nasty breaking pitch. He was poised for a great career, especially... You know, he had some injury issues early on, but it looked like after he got Tommy John surgery that he was going to start to become more durable. And, you know, the Miami community down here fell in love with him. And most Marlins games, people don't come. But the games where Jose Fernandez starts are always well attended. They call it Jose Day. And people love Jose Day. People love to talk, you know, people love to see Jose Fernandez and have him there at the games. And so that's why this news about us losing Jose Fernandez is particularly tough on Miamians because obviously the Cuban community held him close to their heart and he was the only thing about the Marlins that even people who didn't like the Marlins liked. And so, you know, our hearts feel ripped out today and it's, it's really sad. And, you know, he was a fun guy to watch. You know, he had a tremendous amount of passion for the game he he was electric. He was he was uh, he was always just motivated and exciting. And sometimes he rubbed players the wrong way. You know, he got into a few fights and arguments along the way. But that was just part of his legend. And if and, and here's a little homework assignment for you. For those of you who are not fully versed on Jose Fernandez, if you want to know everything you need to know about Jose Fernandez as a player, and learn those things in five seconds or less, okay. Go to Google and search Jose Fernandez, Troy Tulowitzki GIF. Look at that GIF, and that's everything you need to know about Jose Fernandez. I'll walk you through it. He's pitching against the Colorado Rockies, and it's Troy Tulowitzki. He's an amazing hitter. And 
Fernandez throws this pitch, this nasty pitch, and Tulowitzki gets a bat on it and hits what is sure to be a line drive base hit. It's gonna, it looks like it's going to go right over Jose's head, you know, past second base and be a base hit. And Tulowitzki knocks the crap out of it. He hits it super hard, a laser. And Fernandez just throws his, throws his left hand up, gets that glove in the air, snares Tulowitzki's line drive right out of the air. You know, it, it, it happens in less than a second. Just gets up there, snaps it, catches it, Tulowitzki's out. You know, uh, <laughs> Jose Fernandez turned a sure base hit into basically a comebacker that he caught. And the best part about the gif is at the end, because you see Tulowitzki, he's about to run to first, realizes that he's out, you know, makes takes like two steps, looks over at Fernandez pitching, and you can see Tulowitzki mouth, did you catch that? You know, completely shocked. And then it the camera pans over or cuts over to uh, Fernandez, who's smiling and goes, yeah, yeah, I did. And it's just and, and the way he's smiling and like the the bravado he has, it's everything about what makes Jose Fernandez such a lovable, enjoyable baseball player. You see all the passion and all the talent in that five second gift. So check that out. Jose Fernandez, Troy Tulowitzki gift. Uh, he, he's going to be missed. That's really crushing for the Marlins and for this community who really, really treasured him. Um, so we got Michael Branville coming up next. He's the marketing and digital strategy expert. He's a co-host of the Music Biz Weekly podcast, so he's super credentialed. He's super knowledgeable. Uh, indie artist, you're going to love this interview. He's going to talk to us uh, about VIP ticketing programs. Um, he's He was sort of one of the early pioneers of the VIP ticketing program, of adding stuff onto a traditional concert ticket. He did it for Kiss. Uh, he did it for Motley Crue. Uh, and he's going to talk to about talk to you about how you can do it in your own live show even if you're working on a budget. So even if you don't have all the resources that KISS does, he's going to show you how you can do a lot of those VIP ticketing programs in your own shows, even if you have zero dollars to invest in those VIP ticketing programs. And those kind of programs are important because as we've talked about on the show, the music industry is changing and many of the revenue streams that you used to have as an artist are going away because of the changes in the industry. Uh, you used to be able to sell recorded copies of your music, either as CDs or on iTunes, and that's slowly fading away. That's giving way to streaming. This is the first year, in fact, where streaming has actually outsold music downloads. And so you're losing these revenue streams. And so if you're going to succeed as an indie artist, it becomes not only important for you to increase the revenue from your existing revenue streams, but you also need to find new revenue streams. You need to find new ways to bring in money for you. And VIP ticketing programs are a great example of a new revenue stream that you can create and that you can create without necessarily spending a lot of money. So uh, basically a VIP ticketing program is selling additional goodies to your fans at your live shows on top of your regular ticket package. So when you think about when you put a live show together, what are the... What are the things that you sell? Well, you sell the ticket to the concert. And maybe you can sell different amounts of money for different seats. You, you know, you sell, if the fans are closer, you pay more. If they're further away, you pay less. But maybe you're earlier in your career, and so most of the places that you're going are just general admission. And so you're not going to be able to sell, uh, you know, different amounts of money for different seats. But either way, tickets for your concert. Or maybe you can't sell tickets for your concert because you're just playing a club and the club is the one that's making the money and they're just paying you. So that might not even be an available revenue stream for you. 
And then maybe you have another revenue stream in the form of merchandise. Maybe you can sell CDs, t-shirts, thing, autographs, things like that after the show. But there are more revenue streams that you can have, and you can have them with VIP ticket packages. This is about selling other things about your show uh, for extra money that you know your diehard fans are going to want. Things like meet and greets, things like pre-show hangouts, things like early entry to the concert, things like tickets to go check out the sound check, things like a coupon to buy merchandise at your merchandise tent. These are all extra goodies you can sell for VIP fans that can make you extra money, and you don't necessarily have to spend extra money because really what you're selling the fans is stuff that you're doing anyway. You're going to have to do sound check no matter what, so you might as well sell fans access to that. You're going to hang out after the show, so invite some fans to hang out with you after the show, make it a meet and greet, and you can create extra revenue streams for yourself. Michael Brandvold's going to talk more about that. He's also going to talk about how you can develop websites, improve your social media presence. Dude's super knowledgeable. It's going to be a great uh, interview, and I'm hoping that because he's worked with Kiss before, uh, you know, of course, legendary, legendary band, he's going to have some good Kiss stories for us. Let me see if I can kind of squeeze a couple out of him because, I mean, the dude has, he's seen a lot. He's seen a lot in rock music, and he's got to have some awesome stories. So that's Michael Brandvold. He's coming up next, so check that out. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening to the Break the Business Podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is a marketing and digital strategy expert and music industry consultant based out of Northern California. He has developed online marketing strategies for Kiss, Motley Crue, Madonna, U2, and others, and has spoken at South by Southwest Interactive, NARM, and the Driven Music Conference. He is also the co-host of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, which can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. You can find out more about his work by visiting his website, michaelbrandvold.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Brandvold is on the Break the Business Podcast. Mike, great to have you on with us. I see here that you, a very big part of your your biography and your presence online is talking about the great stuff you've done for Kiss and how you really helped them, you know, uh, develop their online presence and their VIP ticket program. So I have to open with this: I am sure that you have at least one amazing Kiss story. Could you please share it with us? Well, if I shared it with you, they probably oh, would blacklist me oh. forever. No, no, you know, seriously. Um, my story is always Gene and Paul, who are the two that I worked with the closest, actually are probably the coolest musicians, artists, celebrities I've ever worked with. Um, Hands-on, deeply involved. Um, uh, you know, you're not going through assistants or managers. Um, they're, they're open to discussions, questions, criticisms. It was it was just a it was a true honor working with them because you just wouldn't expect somebody of their caliber to be so deeply involved in everything. 
I mean, that, that's an amazing answer, and that does give us some insight into, you know, Gene and Paul that we didn't know, but come on, we were expecting, we're, 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 <laughs> fireworks, man, like, this is Kiss we're talking about. Like, you I'm know, sure they're swell guys, but come on, people are, you, people are expecting you know, something here. I, 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 I don't know what to say, honestly, because <laughs> these guys are truly real, um, honest, sophisticated businessmen. That itself might surprise a lot of people. That is that is a um, bit shocking. Yes, <laughs> you know they're they're they are respectful. Um, Paul Stanley is a real gentleman. Um, you know what what you what you see in here on, about Gene Simmons online is a lot of what he is in person. I mean, he's a very to the point. He speaks his mind, but you know they are sharp, sharp businessmen. Oh. Um. And you know, speaking of the KISS business, you were huge for these guys. One of the ways that you really came through for them in your work was developing one of the first ever VIP ticket programs for any musical group. Uh, what was KISS's VIP ticket program like when you developed it? Um, we, we kind of shot for the for the stars with it here. I'm a, I'm a longtime KISS fan, going back to 76. So I was putting together um, a ticket program that I, as a fan, would like to purchase. And uh, nobody had been doing these things before. So it was sort of like, what is the wish list of a KISS fan? Well, the wish list is tickets in the first or second row, meet the band, get a photo with the band. Because keep in mind, prior to this, KISS did very, very, very few meet and greets prior to this. So it was it was very hard to meet the band and get photos with them. And uh, we kind of just sat down and looked at all of the things we could throw into this pool of here's what you get when you buy, whether it's you get an autographed tour book, you get a set of guitar picks, you get the photo, you get the tickets, you get exclusive T-shirt. And then I threw a price on it, looking at what fans have spent just buying tickets from scalpers. And I know fans would spend $750 to buy a ticket from a scalper just for the front row. So we said, let's sell this VIP package for $1,000 a ticket. Makes To me, the value was there. And, and I remember we set that price. You know, we had nothing to gauge it against. And I remember the day we put them on sale for the first string of dates, we were all just kind of sitting there going, okay, these are going to bomb in our face or it's going to be a huge success. And I can tell you that for a 60-date, the first tour we did that with, 60-date tour, we sold out 25 of those $1,000 VIP tickets per show. Wow. That's, that's huge, man. So, so yeah, so Ooh. obviously the fans had been waiting for something like this. Wait, especially with a band like Kiss, where, I mean, that live show is everything. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's what people, they... they they deliver a great live show, and that's you know really what where you know. I remember reading about the history of Kiss, where you know their, you know the, the 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 records where they really started to sell, you know was when they started you know making live records, and so I mean the live presence is such a huge part of their show, and so when you give them you know a meet and greet, that's obviously going to strike a chord with them, and of course here I, I mean, who might have talked to you about Kiss's history? Well, You're probably you know, even more I, better with this. <laughs> actually, what we learned more than anything is. And that, now I'm getting into the business and the marketing side of it. It was the demographic of their fans. Yeah. They're, you know, but when we started this, Kiss had been around for 30-some years. 
their fans were adults, married, had jobs, had their own credit cards. So their fans who we were selling this to didn't have to go get mom and dad's permission to spend the money. And they had been living their entire life dreaming of meeting the band. So we had we kind of had two things going to our advantage. Fans had been dreaming of this for decades, and they didn't have to ask anybody's permission to go spend $1,000. They had the money. Sure. And uh, that demographic was perfect. We started to see that as you did VIP packages for other bands that had similar demographics, it was a much easier sell. When we tried to do VIP packages for artists that were popular but had young demographic like teenagers, it was a difficult sell because the teenager couldn't couldn't spend three, four, five hundred dollars. They had to get mom and dad's permission to do that. They might have had to use mom and dad's credit card. <laughs> you know, mom and dad will buy you a ticket to the show, but they're not going to spend another five hundred dollars to buy you a meet and greet. Sure. I mean, it's it's admittedly an extra hurdle for them to overcome. It's, a, it's an extra hurdle. So, you know, what we discovered is when you sell to the person who controls the money, it's an easier sell. Okay. So, well, I want to see, if I, I kind of want to put these experiences uh, to the test for you a little bit. So, I mean, now let's, let's make it a DIY artist, you know, somebody with a much smaller scale, much smaller budget. And you know, they come to you and say they want to implement similar kind of VIP ticketing programs in their live shows because all they have is just, you know, regular tickets that they sell to their shows. Uh, what would you recommend to them? What 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 paths should they follow? What ideas should they consider when sort of structuring their own VIP packages? Well, you know, I think you you need to definitely take some leads from what you see other artists doing out there and 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 not leads in you're going to sell it for $1,000. You have to be realistic. You might only have a VIP package that can only sell for $25 because your tickets are 30 bucks. You know, you're not going to get away selling a $500 VIP package unless you've reached a certain status. So you've got to be realistic in the pricing, but you can do a lot of the same things that all these bands do. All these bands have a variety of things they offer. You let the fans come in early and watch a sound check. You let the fans come in early and you do a pre-show acoustic performance for them. Obviously, you do a meet and greet. You hang out with them. You take photos. You sign autographs. You could give them an exclusive T-shirt. You can give them discounts to go buy more merchandise at your merch table. Um, look at all of those things that everybody does. Then, then hopefully you know your fans enough to get a feel for what your fans would actually like to do. What do they want to do? Do they want to get in early and watch the sound check? Maybe that's all you need to offer. Yeah. So I guess part of it is, is listening to what others in your, you know, in your peer group are doing, but also listen to what your fans want. Listen to what your fans want. I would advise you to try and do as much as many features as possible that are, are not like physical goods, meaning you don't want to be loading up and giving somebody a T-shirt, um, a tour book, a hat, a bag, all because these are physical goods that you then have a cost to produce. You might have a cost of delivery and or shipment. 
Um, if you're on the road, you might have to have extra room to carry them all with you. So the more kind of virtual experience type things you can do, the better. The uh, Guaranteeing, you know, if your shows are all general admission, maybe you can give your fans 10-minute early entry into the venue. That doesn't cost you anything more. A sound check doesn't cost you anything more. Maybe giving them a $10 off coupon to go buy some more merchandise, that doesn't cost you anything more. So keep that in mind. You don't want to you don't want to weigh down your your packages with a lot of fixed goods that you're producing. So, so yeah, it sounds like, you know, sell, you know, if you're going to have the VIP package, focus on stuff sell stuff that you're already doing and that you don't have to, you know, pay extra for. So, you know, inventory is not necessarily advisable, but instead direct them to things you're already doing, like the sound check. Exactly. Exactly. Things that you already have to do, things that putting yourself in the mind frame of your fans, what do they always clamor to do? You know, do they stand outside the, the venue listening for you to to do a sound check? Are they lining up to get into the venue because they want to make sure they're the first ones up to the, you know, the front of the stage? Well, you could, again, you range with the venue and say, hey, listen, we just like to let these people in five minutes early. They still got to buy tickets. They got everything else. You just want them in before everybody else so they can run up to the front of the stage before all the other regular fans. Uh, very cool. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, digital marketing now, digital presence. Uh, you do a lot of work with website development over at, at you know, with your, ent- you know, your entity, michaelbranville.com. And um, you've been quoted as saying that so uh, social media should not be the only online presence for artists and that websites are still important, even in this age of Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. Why is that? Uh, the website is the only thing that you control, you own. Think of it as um, buying a house. Uh, I'm I'm out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and there's a you know the rental market out here is unbelievable. Um, apartment rentals are being converted into condos, and people are being evicted. If you own a house, nobody's going to evict you. You own it, unless of course you default on your mortgage. But if you're relying on somebody else's world to live in facebook or the perfect example is myspace Mm -hmm. um at any time you could wake up and realize that that community you put all of your work into is dead is gone has changed has deleted your profiles maybe they decide to start selling you your profile back i mean anything could happen you don't control what happens on a social network you don't own your profile you don't own your fans. You don't own any of that. Face, and I'm not I'm not insinuating that this could happen, but Facebook and Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram could wake up tomorrow and decide, you know what? We want to charge everybody $50 a month to use their accounts. Cool. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and aside from that, like you just, you just can't, you know, you don't know if, you know, like maybe you're using... Facebook to blog, you know, you're writing blog posts and then all of a sudden Facebook changes its notes feature and now you can't. Exactly. You You lose your SEO or, or more importantly, what you, what most people never look at. And listen, I'm right there with a lot of people is you never read that terms of service that you click, click the accept button on 
when you join a site. But in there, I guarantee you, are a whole bunch of rules and regulations you just agreed to follow. You agree that you may not be able to sell product, or if you sell product, it can only be this kind of product. You'll never write about this. You'll never use this kind of language. You get caught doing that, and they can suspend and delete your account. If you own your own website, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's your world. It's your house. You can paint it purple. You can sell whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. It's your real estate that's there forever. All right. So <laughs> that's very, very well put. And, it, and it's an important lesson because I, I see way too many artists who don't have a website. Or if they do, it's they just sort of fill in the minimum standard and they're doing most of their stuff on social media. But let's Let's kind of look at online presence as a whole, website, social media, all the stuff that you're you're doing as an artist to get yourself out there. Uh, when you look at a lot of DIY artists and you look at their online presence, website, social media, things like that, where do you see a lot of artists, you know, tripping up, maybe not doing things as well as they could? And how would you have them improve? Um, probably one of the first things I notice is a very inconsistent branding across everything. And and what by what I mean by that in the simplest terms is you've got a different logo on every profile. You've got a different band photo on every profile. Maybe one of them is advertising your old album and one of them's advertising your new album coming soon. An inconsistent message. And you need to get everything consistently displaying the same brand, the same image, the same messaging. That's the first thing. I encounter that so many times. Um, I, I hear you, disdain in your voice. Like, it's just something that disappoints you so much. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, it's just every, every week I will see another band that does that. And I'm just like, is anybody paying attention? Are you, what, you know, why are you trying to sell me last year's album when over here on this website you're trying to take pre-orders for your new album? You know, are you paying attention? And that does say something about you in a professional capacity. If you're trying to impress other people or work with people, they're going to come in and look at this stuff and go, man, they need some work. We're going to have to spend some time on this. Um, the other thing is dead profiles. You know, the, I go in and see on Facebook that your last post was from six months ago. Well, it's it's actually great that you brought that up because uh, this is actually a question artist wanted me to ask you because I told him we were having a, a digital strategy expert on. What do you say to the artist who says, "Look, I know my Facebook profile's dead, and and I and I, but I just I just have trouble thinking of stuff to post. I can't think of stuff to post every single day." Uh, uh, do you have any tips on that that can help artists post more frequently? Like, what what items could they be posting? Well. I, you know, there's something I, I've called the 80-20 rule, where 80% of what you post is about you, the person, your personality, who you are. 20% is about selling your product. And that means that 80% can be just about you and who you are. What do you like to do? What do you, you know, are you, here, I'll give you a big example. One of my clients is Dream Theater. And the lead guitarist and one of the founding members is John Pertucci. And he loves to barbecue. I mean, he's a he, he's a backyard barbecue, you know, expert. 
And we were doing a live Google Hangout a couple years ago to promote some ticket sales. And he did it from the backyard as he was barbecuing chicken. <laughs> and he took some questions and fans were just love that. It's like all of a sudden it opened up this whole new world where fans were like, oh, my God, he's a real person. He's just like me. He loves to sit in his backyard and and put on a great barbecue and they were talking about what kind of grill he had and what kind of sauces he likes to use. People are interested in that stuff and that makes a connection. So, you know, what you have to stop thinking about is every post does not have to be about my album, my tour, my t-shirt, my single, my video. Your fans don't want to hear that over and over and over. They want to hear about you, who you are, what do you like to do, what do you enjoy, and maybe there'll be a connection that happens with that. Oh, I love it. Um, that's and of course, you know, even in some of those posts, you can even post about other artists. Uh, oh yeah, talk about who you listen to. I just downloaded this album. It's brilliant. People love to know who you grew up listening to. What are you listening to now? What was the last concert you went to? Oh. It shows you're a real person, but it shows another side of you. I love it. Oh, a lot of great insight. And it's and that is unfortunately something that a lot of artists have trouble with, where I even get the ones who, who just tweet out every single day the same, not only a buy my album tweet, but it's the same buy my album tweet over and over and over. And those guys and, and, usually and, get blocked from me. Pretty yeah, quickly. well, and I can guarantee you, your fans have ignored those tweets. I can imagine. The, the, the fans who follow you know you've got a new album. They know where to go buy that new album. They're probably going to buy it the day it comes out. You don't need to tell them that 12 times a day for the next three months. I love it. Yeah, you know, you got to you have to you have to uh, give them you have to do things that actually promote fan engagement. Uh, Mike, this has been tremendous. There's you know so much great insight here. And I know there's going to be some people listening out there who want to be able to keep the conversation going with you. Uh, where can they, where can people find you? Where's your, your digital presence? Where can people find you on the web, on social media, things like that? Um, you know, the, the easiest place to find all of my links, cause I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, so whatever your preferred network is, just head over to my website, michaelbranville.com and you'll find all of the links on there. And, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me with a question or let me know you heard me on the podcast and I'll make sure to, you know, friend you, follow you back, whatever it might be. And maybe if you message him privately, he might give you some good kiss stories. Sure. So we can't say sure. any on the air here, but <laughs> can't go on the record. That's right. Yeah. No, you, <laughs> you kind of, but, you, but you know, if you, if you make more of a closer friendship with Michael, I'm sure he'll set you up with some, with some good, uh, ace freely tidbits. So, uh, before we let you go, and I and I I'm really excited to do this with you because you got so much great insight. Do you have any last tips that you can share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? You know, this might seem kind of basic and trivial, but I've encountered artists who this has um, tripped them up many times. This is your career. You're responsible for everything that happens from the digital distribution to what's getting posted online, your website, even if you hire people to do it for you, if you hire a distributor, if you hire somebody like me, you still are ultimately responsible for it. 
you need to be aware of what everybody is doing, when they're doing it, how they're doing it, what they're saying. You, you are the boss. And anything that gets screwed up is, might have been somebody's fault because they posted it wrong. But ultimately, it's your reputation and your career that's going to take the hit for it. So make sure you are in constant contact with any, any team members, any outside people, anybody who's working on your behalf to help you move your career along. You need to know what's happening every day, every week, and you need to hold them to the task that they're responsible for. That website, again, is michaelbrandville.com. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Love to come back. Thanks so much. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Michael Brandvold for joining us in the previous segment. You can find out more about all of the terrific initiatives he's got going on at Michael Brandvold. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-R-A-N-D-V-O-L-D.com. What a great interview uh, he's he's got. Again, he had all the stories we talked about, lots of great insight about KISS, but also uh, great insight about how to build your own VIP ticket program. Even if you got no extra money, even if you're on a budget, he still had some great insight for how you could set that up, create that additional revenue stream for yourself, and make up for the revenue streams you're losing here in the new music industry. Yeah, maybe you can't sell as many copies of your recorded music as you used to, but you can still make a lot of money creating VIP experiences for your fans as long as you follow some of the tips that Michael Brandvold gave us in the previous segment. Also remember the stuff that he talked about with boosting your online presence, uh, making the most of your social media, and of course, don't forget to create a good, effective website for yourself. Uh, don't Just because you're in the age of Facebook and Twitter doesn't mean you still don't need a website. You need that place to call your own that you have full control over. Thanks again, Mike Brandvold, for joining us. I would love to have him on again real soon. Be sure to check out next week's episode where we have Rory Kelly joining us. Again, she's great. Uh, she's a dear friend. She's super insightful. She's going to tell you some things you maybe didn't know about the experience that women have in the music industry. This is an important interview. Or I think she's going to be an important interview for both women and men alike to learn a lot about stuff that we all don't know. And honestly, I'd like to learn more about as well. So she's coming up next week and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you again next week. Uh, be sure to stick around and keep listening to the break the business podcast. Mm -hmm.